Cast where we uh, gather around a cell phone in a uh, late model sedan and <laughs> talk about films that we just walked out of a movie theater seeing. We're talking a little bit about this crazy flick. Hereditary. Hereditary. Uh, a, a film so so deeply unpleasant that Dustin forgot the name. I didn't know a documentary about male pattern baldness could be that frightening. Um, you know, when it devolved that ad for Propecia, that's when I was really out. I was sick of that. Um, I guess we gotta identify. Get this on, get this on the tray. I identify voices. Uh, um, who are you? Uh, I am Arthur Gordon, and <laughs> that's the word. Who are you? My name is Dalton Stewart, and Peter just wanted to smoke pot and talk to cute girls. That's all he wanted. <laughs> who are you, ma'am? Uh, I am Kirsten Thurkelson, and uh, hail. What's his name? Payman. Hail Payman. Hail Payway. Well, hey, 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 hey. Oh man, my name's Dustin Sells, and this was exceedingly unpleasant, and uh, but good in a fun way. So I guess we'll just do like the show sort of thing. We won't play a game, but uh, quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. What do and we we'll s- do our best to avoid spoilers because uh, yeah, it gets we- real spoiler heavy about tw- twenty minutes in. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, you- we will we will tread very lightly. So uh, there you go. Um, I go to you first, Arthur. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down review of Heredity. Hereditary. Hereditary. Uh, I'm going to say thumbs up. I think it's a very effective uh, horror film. I think uh, it builds and crescendos perfectly. Um, I don't want to give much more away. Tony Collette is aces. Everybody's, I think, aces here. Uh, So strong performances all around, which really uh, help pull you into the emotional core of this film. uh, That really helps drive it and sell the scares, I think. So, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Okay, uh, Dalton, what do you say? Would you like this movie? Yeah, no, it's 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 fantastic. Uh, I, I know it's it's going to be very easy uh, for people who are not seeing this the first weekend to get burnt out on the hype. It's it's got a lot of buzz coming out of South by Southwest and Sundance and A twenty four, just going right to two hundred two thousand two hundred screens, which is a really big opening for them because uh, they know they've got something that might make a whole shitload of money for them, and, and good for them. Uh, but I would say if you're skeptical about any time a movie is declared the scariest movie ever, I agree. You should always be skeptical about that. Uh, that's just the thing people tend to do when they try to talk about horror movies that deeply unsettle them. And you're just going to have to deal with that. I'm sorry. I, I know it's frustrating, but you'll get over it. I promise. Uh, it- it- it's it's wonderful. As has already been mentioned, Tony Collette and all of the performances that get turned in are just wonderful really great sound design. I cannot believe this movie's a first feature. I mean, it, it really does kind of boggle the mind that this is a first feature because it is pretty fully realized in, in really wonderful ways and articulates deep existential dread um, and psychological discomfort uh, and the things that keep me up at night in ways that uh, are really surprising and really effective. So yeah, it, it's great. 
Awesome, awesome. Thank you for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Miss Kirsten Thurkelson, what do you say about uh, Hereditary? Absolutely thumbs up, and that is coming from a person who uh, sees every horror movie. That's right, folks. I watch them all. Good, bad. They are usually bad. Um, <laughs> I would definitely say that this is, um, I mean, Dalton touched on it briefly, but it, it's technically perfect. It's just extremely well executed in terms of all of the visuals, all of the audio. It's really well done um this is definitely a uh i'd say this is a horror movie for adults um it is it, it's it is it's not it's not something that's going to uh jump out and scare you you know or um you know uh, it, it's it's definitely just something that's going to uh make you want like a heated blanket at night and <laughs> maybe to call your mom <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Um, I would say in terms of review that yes, it is it is excellent. It is very, very technically proficient. It does all the things. It is a really, really well executed script because uh, that's that's really how you put this together in terms of just a set of images and bits of dialogue and bits of story arc that are able to achieve this kind of dread and horror that you experience throughout the film. So uh, yeah, great performances, great sound design, uh, man, great visual design. Somebody in the art department Department has got to get an Oscar because man, those little mini mini miniature things that Tony Collette designs throughout the film are really really impressive and disturbing in uh, many ways. So yeah, I really like the movie a whole lot. I think it's I think it's in the conversation with The Exorcist. I think it's in the conversation with The Shining. I think it's one of those sort of really high end, you know, uh, well I guess you'd say high middle brow horror films. Uh, definitely hits that sort of place. So yeah, I dig it. A whole lot. So uh, there you go. Um, you see and hear our biases. You don't see them at all because <laughs> this is an auditory medium. Um, but you hear them. Uh, that we are generally pro. Uh, regard not generally pro. We are all Extremely decidedly pro. extraordinarily pro. Uh, this film. Uh, so we're gonna try to do analysis now um, on a movie we literally, literally just walked out of. Literally just, uh, just watched. I I will say I don't. I want to avoid spoilers. But I think you can say that this movie does a thing that The Shining does, insofar as all the supernatural could be real and could be not real. And I like that. And I don't think that's a spoiler to say that. No, I think, I think we can walk around uh, any, any spoiler traps uh, and, and still say that, yeah. So, and that's one of the aspects of the script itself that I find to be really, really interesting is that it, it's one of two things, and it does, it, and it's written in such a way that it could as equally be one or the other, and so you can give both readings with equal sort of integrity, with equal amounts of faithfulness to the text itself, and say, okay, we're going to read this now as uh, a discussion of mental illness, right? And that this is all going on inside Tony Collette's character's head, also inside uh, other Peter. character Peter's head, and uh, perhaps also inside Charlie's head. Although I don't know to what extent she's um, touched compared to the others. You know, poor Peter Byrne. Yeah. Uh, poor Steve. Poor, yeah. poor Steve. Steve. Yeah, Gabriel Byrne has a bad. Oh, Gabriel Byrne. Thank you. Yeah, Peter is the boy, but yeah, yeah. thank you. Gabriel Byrne has, plays a character called Steve, and. He has a bad day. Uh, Worst day. He's a sweet dad. He's, he's, he's just a good dad. He's trying very hard to do that. Uh, so with it as a mental health thing, I'm a little troubled by the feminist credentials, and um, anyone can chime in and tell me sure. otherwise. But 
you know, we always got crazy ladies. That that's that when we're gonna have somebody who who's you know mentally ill, it's it's a crazy lady. You know, uh, there's it's slightly mitigated if Peter's also um, schizophrenic or whatever as well. But the, the 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 line is clearly from the mother to the daughter. You know, maybe to the son. There's another son, another brother of Tony Collette's character that perhaps committed suicide. Perhaps not. After you watch the film, you really don't know how that all went down because it's all from the recollections of a person who's not exactly mentally stable. But um, why do we always have to have our crazy people be women? Uh, that's my question. And is this film falling into that trap? I don't know. I think that because it's such a frank discussion on mental illness and that she's not framed as being quote-unquote crazy so much as, I mean, she, you know, she does have diagnosed mental illnesses and, again, there's, you know, multiple characters in the film that that are. Um, And I think it, oh, man, I'm I'm not going to say what I was just going to say because it's... Spoilery. (laughs) Analysis is harder when you avoid spoilers. It's real hard. Well, I think we should do what we typically do, and uh, maybe as we get, I know, uh, generally, as soon as we get into analysis, we rip that Band-Aid off. I think, for the sake of really talking about the film maybe here in a little bit, we'll go ahead and rip that Band-Aid off, and if you haven't seen Hereditary, you can get the fuck out of here. Please go see it. Just go see it. Do yourself a favor. Yeah. Yeah. See it in the theater, please. There is one moment in particular in this film uh, that was such a a hoot to see with a crowd. Uh, Legitimately delightful. Uh, I, I think you make a good point though, Dustin, um, the last horror film I can think of that really um, played with this very hot potato was uh, M. Night Shyamalan's Split, and uh, I liked it a lot less in that film. I liked I liked things about uh, the ways in which that film tried to navigate um, trauma and mental health as it pertains to, you know, a genre movie. I, I like things about it, but overall I, I was kind of troubled by it more than I liked it. I, I think Hereditary... It threads that needle pretty well, and I think it it is because it has a a lot of empathy for everyone in the movie, uh, and I think that goes a long way. I, I, to your point about uh, the trope of crazy moms, yeah, I, I think there's something there, Dustin. But I think the reason it is a trope is less for problematic reasons, as these things often are, uh, and more because it's a very legitimate concern both for children and for for parents i think for for mothers and and for their children it's it's a very real concern am i being a good mother is can i trust my mom i think these are are real concerns that really frighten people when the lights go out and uh i I think through that empathy and through engaging with things that are very real emotionally i think I, i think the film threads that needle pretty well yeah, I mean, there is sort of maybe a, a semi-feminist way out of this insofar as, you know, we've got Gabriel Byrne who's a good dad. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tony Collette who's a bad mom or at least mentally, you know, not unwell, a, an unwell an unwell mother. mother yeah. yeah, so it could be, you know, a number of reasons for that. Um, and, and perhaps the reason why that works well in film here and maybe in other cases is because, well, men are the dangerous ones. 
and to take the sort of innocent thing. I, I'm thinking about the sort of horror trope of using the clown or using, you know, the otherwise innocent sort of figure as the source of horror because that is the harder twist. And if you go at it from that angle, you know, mothers are the well, women are just more stable than men. They're less violent, you know, we can we can talk about those kinds of things, you know, where most of the horrors that we face in a household usually come from uh, fathers, usually come from the husbands or the male caretakers. You know, that's, that's, that's the sort of documented source of violence, peril or threat, you know, that we might engage. And so maybe that usage can be excused a little bit because it, it's, it's wrong. It's wrongness is what makes it scary. Does that make any sense at all? Yes. Feel free to disagree. Uh, I think that it's also, um... And maybe you guys can disagree with me because uh, I've I, I'm seeing this from a female perspective and everything. It seems to me that you know at at the time when she and her husband are having like a disagreement and he it very clearly just begins accusing her of you know being uh, being crazy, not knowing yeah. what she's talking mm-hmm. about. You know, uh, he thinks she's come completely loose at the edges. And I feel like for the audience that you are supposed to empathize with her. Uh. Yes. It, no. I think I think you're absolutely right. No, there, there's one moment in particular where, um, and it's really well shot or really well directed, really well acted, where Gabriel Burns' character Steve, it, it, you see the struggle of I don't know what I'm supposed to do right now, sure. and you see Tony Collette desperate, yeah. desperate for him to believe that she knows how to fix what's going on. And, and that it's really going on. And that it's really going on. Yeah, and, and it is a, a really, really profoundly well-executed scene. It just mm-hmm. works. And it's it's one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie, actually. I, I just... I, I've never been sad in a horror movie, as often yeah. as I've found myself sad in Hereditary. Yeah. Uh, and again, I think it comes back to a film that, as unpleasant as it is... Because it has empathy, and that empathy keeps it from being too unpleasant, I think. It, yeah. It's not just unpleasant for its own sake. It's unpleasant because it is asking you to empathize with a situation in which you don't want to fucking be in at all. Let, you don't even want to watch it sometimes, <laughs> let alone imagine yourself in it. Uh, and, and I think that is, uh, to Kirsten's point, I think that's that's how it manages to navigate that a little I bit. I think that, the, that that is definitely a defining characteristic of this film, is how well-developed its characters are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they are very well-rounded, they're very believable, um, and it's they are shown in all of their complexity very well. So let's go with the other side. All the spoopy is real, right? And uh, there is a cult, and they are trying to resurrect the the demon god Pain and Mom. Yeah, man, you really should have warned that you were going to rip that Band-Aid off, huh? Well, well I, mean, <laughs> I mean, that's the other possibility. Like, it's, it, Well, I mean, I, the, the movie doesn't resolve it. That's not a spoiler, because the movie doesn't say, right? I, I guess sure. I, I guess we're, we are revealing where it goes, though, at yeah. this point. Yeah, I guess we are. So, yeah. uh, Sorry, kind of. Delayed spoiler alert. Yeah, well, well, then we're not cutting this. No, you're right. <laughs> Arthur's right. There's no way this is getting cut. This is uh, live to tape. Yeah, this is a so we, this get out, get out now. Sorry, <laughs> but okay. So we let's, gave a warning. Yeah, we'll do a timestamp or something. So I mean, the thing is, the cult thing is revealed in the first five minutes anyway. It's at the funeral that you're all the cult right. of people are there. You're absolutely right. right. So I mean, I mean it, well, and that's it. it it's does probably in the trailer now that I think about it. Um, as, as yes, our, as I think our, you're right. Our dear um, silent guest pointed out before we started recording, 
um, this movie does a really good job of foreshadowing everything that happens, whether yeah. it's yeah. a nut allergy or mm-hmm. a cult. Um, it just sets every piece into motion mm-hmm. very yeah. early on and doesn't remind you about it until a, a, a strange smell in the house. It sets mm-hmm. things into motion very early on. Yeah. So yeah, let's go ahead, Dustin. Now that we've we're in in the shit. So th- so this has got a Rosemary's Baby thing going, right? It's got this Paul, you know, the next door, you know, seemingly innocent, you know, couple, right? In Rosemary's Baby, turns out they're the Satanists that are trying to, you know, get their stuff done and bring about the uh, the coming of the Antichrist. This film has got the same sort of thing going on. There's some sort of demonic presence, you know. We won't spoil too much into this, but something's going on and this uh, action by this cult that grandmother has been involved in is causing all these crazy things to happen right that only Tony Collette's character sees um, and is understanding and then Peter perhaps comes to some revelation realization and well and also so does um, so does Charlie Charlie sees visions of things that were yeah not visions of things disturbing things as well. Um, so here we are. We're bringing the cult back. And I'm just thinking, it's weird to see films engage with the satanic panic again here in the 20 or 20 teens. Mm-hmm. What, what time is it now? Uh, <laughs> who can be sure? Who can be sure? Um, so what do you think uh, that sort of satanic panic kind of, you know, playing uh, out as a uh, as a trope? You know, does that mean anything to be doing that right now? Why? Why? And there's been a couple of films. I'm thinking uh, House of the Devil. Uh, mm-hmm. The Satanic Panic's kind of making a comeback lately, and I'm I don't know why. I'm just curious what it is about our current anxieties that brings these kind of things about. That's a good question. I think it had to go away for a while, right? Because uh, shit got too real. Uh, people were. You know, having their lives upended by child protective services <laughs> over bogus calls during the the 80s and 90s over the satanic panic, um, and I think now that we're tw- you know 20 some odd years out from that, I-, I think we've gotten to a point where filmmakers who came of age mm-hmm. during that time. Uh, I don't know how old the the re oh forgot his last name sorry bud uh, the writer director of this film I don't know how old he is but I'm assuming since it's his first feature he's probably a younger cat so I think it's safe to assume uh, I know Paranormal Activity three I think uh, that's got the catfish guys yeah. heavily dips its toes in the Satanic Panic and I know they're younger uh, and I, I think that might have something to do with it Dustin is you've got a bunch of filmmakers who grew up in this time and are wanting to engage with these ideas now that we're we're less actually terrified of them and um i don't know i think there's something to just the the cyclical nature of the, the ways in which we choose to tell stories right i don't think there's anything that speaks specifically to our culture i think it's more about a a reckoning with um you know 20 years prior yeah, the only thing I can think of is just horror as sleeper cell, right? Okay. Uh, that, that there are these sleeper cells all among us. They look just like us, and then at some point they'll become active because the planets have aligned and the stars of Anubis or whatever, you know, we could, you know, uh, whatever the mythology of the particular story happens to be, and that now they're going to, you know, rear their ugly heads, and uh, there's going to be utter terror on, like, a personal level. It's going to bring up, you know, bring about something with, you know, dramatic ramifications like, you know, the resurrecting of an ancient god or something like that, right? I think that there's also a, uh, I, I, I think that Satanism is kind of in vogue right now. You make uh, a fair point. As a person who can go online and, um, you know, order a scarf that has uh, a pentagram with a goat's head on the inside yeah. and, you know, it, 
that whole style is very much in fashion. Satan yeah. has brought sexy back. Yeah, that's right. true. Throw, that's true. Throw a rock in an arts district, you're gonna hit somebody <laughs> wearing a Baphomet t-shirt. Yeah. Right? I mean, you make a good point there. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, okay, that that may be part of it as well. So, I was just thinking about that and just the use there. Um, let's see, what other analytical threads can we pull out and tease? I think from a more basic standpoint, we could look at some of the production and what's yeah, going on Yeah, let's here. talk about as that, yeah. The way it's set up as a horror film, um, the director, I forget his name, uh, uses some uh, more traditional suspense methods. Uh, Ari Aster um, has learned more from the school of suspense rather than thrills. Correct. Um, we talked about this some off air and that there aren't a lot of jump scares here. Uh, he's using a lot of suspense and showing us things and then letting it build uh, because the characters don't see him. There's some sequences, especially towards the latter half of the second act and into the third act when things really unwind uh, where a tradition or a less competent maybe horror director would use just jump scares and sound effects to startle the audience but here we're relying heavily on suspense and, and even from the outset uh, going back to Dustin's earlier point about is it in the mind or is it real you know this is set up as a fabrication because we have this kind of zoom in on the model home oh, nice point. and it pulls right into the model bedroom and then the characters start walking around uh, and so it's very early on set up in this kind of fabricated reality of, you know, what's really going on. Arthur, I'm so glad you thought about that, too. Yeah, I mean, this this movie is is full of, of uh, simulations within simulations type yeah. stuff, right? Uh, models within models, worlds within worlds, uh, narratives within narratives. I mean, you got people talking about Greek tragedies in high school classes. You got people talking about um, esoteric, you know, mysticism. It, yeah, it, it it does a very good job, as we talked about, with its scripting early on, setting up all of these pieces into motion. And uh, I love that opening shot, man. Yeah. Ooh, it's good. The use of miniatures is coming back this year as well. I mean, uh, Game Night did a good job of using miniatures. This movie uh, relies heavily on its use of miniatures to uh, mm -hmm. lend that sense of unease and what's real, what's not real. There is a shot, and I was curious if you guys noticed it as well, of the house uh, towards the uh, end of the third act, uh, from an exterior shot, mm -hmm. that looks like it's actually a miniature, then they cut back in. No, yeah, I, I, I noticed that throughout the film. It looks like they're using a lot of miniature use, for, especially, uh, I think, when he drives up to the house uh, early after an inciting incident at the end of the first act. I mm -hmm. kind of marked that, uh, where he's pulling up to the house. That looks very much like the use of a miniature as well. Um, and the, the sets themselves look very unnatural because there's a sequence, I think, towards the end where... Uh, Peter is standing in front of the stairs, but the stairs seem unnaturally large behind mm -hmm. him, uh, uh, which makes me think there's some manipulation of the set there. Lens there yeah. mm -hmm. Well, and if I can cut to the end really quickly, um, the sort of uh, unholy, and I'm going to call it a doll at the end. Uh, that, okay. I mean, I, I think it's like a mannequin, but I, it, it was very heavily reminiscent to me of, you know, being an unfinished sort of yeah. doll. Ah, uh, yeah. yes. Um, it calls back to the work of Charlie yes. early in the film, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And Charlie's art is very, yeah, mm -hmm. much of that same vein as well, so. Yeah, there, there's a fun thing here with uh, Charlie um, and, oh my God, uh, Anne. Uh, Tony Collette's character, uh, both uh, the mother and the daughter, both being artists, that I, I think is really fun, and it's it's not a, a thread that I've thought about enough to really articulate, but I, I think there's something really fun here with them mirroring each other as as artists. Well, going back to another level, we we learned that the grandmother is also something of a craft 
craftsman because That's she true. knits these welcome mats, right? Welcome it's mats, passed yeah. down through the, f- the female line within the family. You're yeah. absolutely right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's artistry that goes along also perhaps. Very intricate artistry, too. Yeah, the connection to Toby the demon, if we're going to use paranormal activity <laughs> words instead of spoiler <laughs> words. All right. Uh, or the mental illness, if that is the case, you know. And again, the, the, the movie remains ambiguous with that, which I think is really, really rad. Um, okay, is there any other thread we want to hit um, before we go to our verdict? Can I just say really quickly? Yes, I think course. that it's. Um, I, I was I was reminded heavily of several other films um, in its discussion of sanity and grief mm-hmm. as yeah. well. Um, yeah. I mentioned uh, outside earlier the Babadook that it, yeah. it yes. and in terms of you know her questioning her own sanity, her own her own sanity being questioned. You know, she's also dealing with something just incredibly painful yeah. mm-hmm. and how does that manifest itself you know mm-hmm. in any of us well I'm going to go to you first then Kirsten because I think that does sound like a great else uh, the Babadook there so uh, so are you going to say show up or trash for this film and then in addition to the Babadook would you have any other film recommends oh goodness okay um, first of all I'm this is extremely shelf um, I plan on revisiting this after I you know clear my head with some <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll go home and watch Mean Girls. But um, <laughs> I, uh, <sighs> in terms of else, that's hard too. Because if you actually did any of what I'm about to mention as a double feature, you you would want to crawl Worst into a hole. Day and <laughs> um, I would also go ahead and uh, recommend, and this is a hot take, um, Mother. Um, in terms of you know dealing with uh, dealing with sanity and just those you know gorgeous visuals. Um, yeah. But yeah. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much, Carson. Dalton Stewart, what do you say? Shelf or trash? Else or instead? I mean, yeah, th- this is very shelfable. Um, it, it, people are going to be talking about this at the end of the year. There's, there's not a question in my mind, and I, I think it rightly deserves to be in top ten lists galore. Uh, go, go see it. Uh, I don't know that it's shelfable just because I don't know how often you're going to want to watch this movie. Uh, it's profoundly unpleasant and uh, makes you think about all the things that fuck you up and whether or not you're. Uh, mean to the people in your family and are the people in your family mean to you and who really loves anybody yeah it it's unpleasant to watch but you should watch it if you like horror movies uh what should you watch with it uh, uh rob zombies lords of salem for uh, likewise buck wild third acts um the house of the devil which has already been mentioned um and one of my other favorite a24 horror films uh green room a very different kind of horror but equally uh, gut-churning and visceral. Excellent, excellent. Okay, Arthur Gordon, you are last. What do you say, shelf or trash, else or instead? I think I'm going to say shelf. I'm not going to disagree with the room or the car, as it may be. Uh, I think else, I would pair it with, uh, we recently talked about this movie, but uh, John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. A lot of the imagery Actually, he's yeah. using and the way he's building his suspense and tension there, I think, uh, parallels well with this. Uh, as well as, I had another movie on my mind, Suspiria, mm-hmm. uh, I think, uh, would work as well, especially in the genre of mother witches uh, and some of the lighting use in the treehouse, I think, uh, harkens back to that. So those would be my recommends. Excellent, excellent. I have the misfortune of going last. I recommend everything everyone has said so far. I also say shelf. Um, and no one mentioned The Witch, I don't believe, from last year uh, or year before last. I'm glad you did. At this point. I and, I, tagging on. and I think, yeah, that would be the one the one addition I would make. But yes, to all those things, they were all in my mind. Rosemary's Baby I mentioned earlier, and I think I'd be a fair uh, pair with this as well if you can tolerate Roch and Polanski, which is 
uh, sure. personal decision we all have to make. And uh, I totally understand your decision either way. I'm going to tag in one other one. Do it. I'm going to say the others. Oh, okay. yeah. 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 Good call. Okay. I think that's a very, very good call. So, uh, well, there you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts regarding uh, this film, Hereditary. Uh, we had a good time watching that. We're going to get out of my car. We had a recent rain here in Oklahoma City, and uh, it looks like uh, we're at Lover's Lane right now inside my car. <laughs> and so There's a man with a hook outside right now. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a very, very bad thing. We're very close to Jeremiah's Bridge, apparently. And did, Arthur's... Did you guys, did yeah, you guys I'm going to draw, draw a triangle in here. <laughs> no, you are not. I got to yell at my kids. Anyway, <laughs> stop writing on the windows. Dustin, quit, Dalton, quit trying to pull my head off. <laughs> it wasn't me! <laughs> Who did it? What we can say is this, is watching the movies and having a conversation is so much fun. We had a blast watching this movie together, but we've had a blast just sitting here and just sort of trying to hash out what we're thinking regarding it, because that's what makes watching the movies worthwhile. So you keep watching, we'll keep talking, and we will see you all next time.